Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on where you are, what time you're listening to this. My name is Winston, and this is the Revenue Alignment Podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest. And guys, I know I usually say that, right? I always say this, but I'm, I'm definitely excited to, to have this guy on the podcast, and I'll share with you why. Um, as you know, you know, the purpose of the podcast is really for us as marketers to figure out how to align with the um, other functions, other revenue functions, one of those being finance. And when I reached out to, to Tyrell, I'm so glad and grateful that he was gracious enough to, to share his time with us, um, particularly because one, he has that extensive background in, in finance, which you guys will see in a minute. But also the fact that he mentioned to me that he has a lot of experience working with marketers, which I thought was really great. So we can get that, that CFO finance perspective, but at the same time, someone who understands marketing's role within the, the organization. So Tyrell, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So guys, before we even begin, let me, let me just share with you how amazing this guy is. I didn't even realize how amazing he was until I actually went and did some research. So Tyrell, Mr. Tyrell Turner, you know, put some respect on his name, <laughs> is, is a certified public accountant and he has his master's in accounting. He has previously held positions as director of finance, financial planning and analyst, um, analysis, sorry, and also Senior Finance Manager at General Electric. He has also been Senior Auditor at EY, um, has also been you know, a financial analyst and has held several financial positions. So suffice to say that he is very adept and knowledgeable in the space of finance. But not only that, it only gets better. He's also a 40 under 40 CPA, he was named that, and also has been featured in the New York Times um, you know, as a, as a CFO, as one of the, the leading, or should I say, authorities um, within that, that finance space. He's also a financial control coach, fractional CFO, and he has his own company called TL Turner Group, which helps business owners understand their financials to improve profitability. So basically what I'm hoping is that he can help all of us as marketers do the same within the organizations, right? And finally, he is the host of Business Talk Library. So very long list, very extensive list, but, you know, very excited to have him come on and share. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the amazing introduction. <laughs> all right, Terrell. So before we even begin, um, you know, as I like to do with, with every guest, why don't you just share with us your journey, your story to where you started, um, to how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So, I mean, I think if I go back to, you know, like when I was in college, one of my original ideas, I knew I wanted to, or at least I had the strong urge to say, hey, I wanted to be a business owner and own my own business. I knew that I didn't come from a family of business owners. So I'm like, I have to learn the nuts and bolts of actually how to do this. And so I went into accounting because it was one of the only places where I'm like, you know, where, where else would they allow a young 20 something right out of college who knows nothing about the real world to actually get a inside look at how companies work. And so I went into auditing and part of my job was really talking to senior level people at different companies 
And I got a chance to understand, you know, the numbers and then also how the business actually worked and then how all the pieces came together. And so I got the chance to do that, like I said, my early 20s of, you know, talking to people who were like, you know, 15 to 25 years into their career. And I was kind of my job was to audit them, but I was really learning from them. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I just continue, you know, down that path of like, okay, how do I get closer to really how to run a business? And then I, I took some jobs um, with, with a couple of Fortune 500 companies. One, um, is the company at the time, the company was about $14 billion that I took a job with. And I worked in their investor relations there. I spent direct time with the CFO and the CEO of a, you know, a, a very large company. Part of my job was to help them get ready for the calls that they would have with Wall Street. So some of the stuff that you would read in the paper, like this CEO said X, Y, Z, like it was things that I wrote verbatim, like, here's how you need to answer this question. And so it's like, for me, it's like, I was like, man, I wrote that line. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And so I just continued to do that. And like I said, and working every, every kind of job that I took, I always looked at it from the perspective of if I will, if, since I want to be a business owner, what do I need to learn from this job? And I would say when I took a job at, um, as the director of finance for a tech company, um, I worked a lot with the marketing director. And one of the things that I realized is like, I'm trained to understand finance and accounting. I've been learning about operations. Like I took finance roles in operations to learn that. I did it in engineering, but sales and marketing was an area that I hadn't done it yet. So I spent a lot of time with the director of marketing and really, you know, understanding her world and how she saw the business. And then combining that with how I saw the business from finance and how do I put these two together? And once I felt like I kind of cracked the code on that, or at least I had introduced myself enough to it to where, you know, I'm like, I understand this way better than I used to. You know, I, I left my, I decided to leave my corporate career and started my own firm. And one of the things that I realized before I started was I talked to a bunch of other accountants and stuff about how they were approaching their firm. And one of the biggest issues they had was marketing, sales, and client acquisition. Well, I'm like, well, I just spent, you know, an intense, couple years working directly with the marketers to where I use everything I learned from the marketers and stuff that I'm still learning is why we were able to grow our firm so fast. Like within 15 months, like I said, we were recognized in the New York Times for you know what our, our, our business had been able to accomplish and all of these different stuff. And I will say is a lot of it is because I figured out a and I understand marketing way better than my counterparts in accounting and finance. There's, there's so much I, I want to unpack from that. Um, first of all, I think the biggest thing that, stood, that stands out for me is the fact that you had direct access to senior level CFO, CEOs. And one of the things I found in, in my marketing career as well is, well, I work with a lot of startups, so I had access to directly to the CEO. So a lot of these meetings, I had to sit in with him and it helped me to understand like how CEOs think, what are the things that, you know, they're really challenged with. Um, so I could better assist in terms of my role as a marketer, like how can I help the CEO um, with these particular challenges so he doesn't have to think about it. And I think that's one of the things that stood out for me in terms of the same exact thing that you did. 
but also the thing that most marketers don't do, which is, you know, going to that CEO, going to that CFO and saying, hey, help me to understand some of the things that you're challenged with so that I can use marketing to better execute and, and bring um, a higher value to the, to the organization and the company. So I, I, guess, I guess my next question we definitely want to be is, you know, as someone coming up through finance, what are some of the challenges that, that you really struggled with or probably just in general that you see? Well, you mentioned client acquisition, you mentioned marketing, um, but what are some of the things that you struggle with as someone in finance coming up? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I would say specifically for finance, I think it's just really wrapping my mind around what other how other people view the business, because I think and it's the same with any discipline, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in sales, whether you're in engineering, like you are trained to know your area of the business very, right. very well. But you don't always know how to look at it from other people's perspective. And so for me, one of the biggest challenges was being able to get out of my own biased view of how business works. Because from a, you know, a finance standpoint, it's number dollars and cents, you know, pluses and minuses. That's how you view the business. Whereas when I spend time with marketers, it's like, okay, all right, you got customer perception. You got right. branding, you got imaging, you got messaging, like in accounting and finance, you don't learn any of that stuff. <laughs> so, so it was interesting, like I said, of really just allowing, like I said, getting over that, that hurdle. And I think it just took a lot of humility of just accepting like, hey, how you see business and how you see the business, your perspective is not the only perspective that matters. And so I think mm. as I begin to open myself to really say, okay, all right, how do I see the business from other people's perspective and then to take a step back and make the best decision based on a spectrum of perspectives instead of just my own narrow view? All right. And I love that you said that um, having that level of humility to say, well, let me not just rely on my own biases, but, you know, how can I see things from other people's point of view, which is definitely one of the things I'm hoping to accomplish with this podcast, you know. Um, in this instance, how can you look at things from the point of view of finance, um, you know, so that you can really execute in a way, as I mentioned, that brings value to the entire organization and as a, as a whole and not necessarily just as, as a marketer. Um, but let me, let me just say this very quickly, guys, that, you know, you may want to put on your, your coffee, you know, brew your coffee. Um, because this, this is going to be, <laughs> I mean, Terrell, I probably should have mentioned this to you before, but this is going to be a very, a very long podcast. I mean, when I say long, I mean, typically longer than, than what it usually is because I have so many questions and there are so many things I want to dig in here to really help marketers understand, um, a CFO's point of view and not just go by their own biases. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm here for it. Let's go. So. The, the, the next question I definitely want to, to ask you is, how are CFOs? Because all right, if, if you realize, and this is for the audience, if you realize my line of questioning, I haven't even gotten into the marketing stuff as yet, uh, because I really want to dig in to help marketers kind of understand um, the, 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 the thought process and the challenges of, of someone who is in finance so that they can start to see, you know, that world differently. So they can start to have a broader 
um, perspective on, on, you know, kind of like an organizational level perspective rather than just a marketing level perspective. Um, so for you, whether, you know, as a CFO or when you were a director of finance, how would you typically be grading, graded on whether or not you're, you're effective in your role? Yeah, so when it came down to director of finance, now, you know, the, the, depending on, like I said, the major transactions or the focus of the company at the time, it may vary. So sometimes what it was is as a director of finance, my job was to understand all the moving pieces in the business and to be able to put that together, to be able to forecast and say, hey, if we do this, this and this, here's how the results are going to look like. Here's how much cash we're going to have. Here's how much profit. And to be able to almost you know, serve as kind of like the financial crystal ball. Um, right. And be, and so whether or not I was successful is how close was I able to get to being able to predict those things? Um, and so at, at, a, at a big level, at the end of the month, end of the quarter, I mean, we're going to have a sit- conversation with the leadership and what they're going to say is, all right, here's where we expect it to be. How close did we actually get? And what was the reason why we were off? And so where I was great on whether or not I was successful is, were you able to, to the best of your ability to predict where we were going to be? Now, of course, there are going to be things that are outside of, you know, my control. Like, hey, the sales team said they were going to close eight deals. They only closed five. So here's what the result looks like and stuff like that. Like, but really where I got graded is, did you provide us with enough context so we could kind of get a preview of what the business could look like if we executed our strategy effectively. Right. And uh, still on that same point, um, I, I, I saw a post you made where you spoke about logging metrics versus leading metrics, which I guess is kind of the same thing with, with forecasting. Uh, from from marketing's point of view, because you're graded based on how well you're able to forecast, um, I guess, you know, revenue growth over a certain period of time. How then can marketing help you in terms of positively impacting, um, you know, that, that those metrics to make your job, I should say, well, I guess I could say easier or to make your, or to make your forecasting that much more uh, predictable or, you know, that much more accurate? Like, what do you think marketing can do on their end? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and, and this one, I'll use some very specific examples of like some very real conversations I had with different marketers in the past. Um, one Please of the don't. first things, <laughs> <laughs> one of the first ones was, you know, when I first started working with a marketer, like working with the marketing department, I had to tell them like, hey, guys, I don't speak marketing. You're going to have to break. You, you got to understand, like, I understand you know, how to translate this into like into dollars and cents. So when they would talk about, hey, you know, our, our CPM is this, our CAC is this. And it's just like, all right, let's take a step back first. Tell me, what the heck does that mean? Like, you know, you got <laughs> you to explain it. And I think one, I mean, that's step number one is because there are so many different terms, especially acronyms that marketers use that, they're very common in marketing. They're just not common to other people. And then I think at the end of the day, I also had to explain to my marketing team is like, hey, 
I am going to be graded on how well I help the leadership team understand here's the likely outcome if we go do X, Y, Z. So when you're talking to me about your marketing strategy, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, you got to be able to help me connect the dots between, okay, if we go do that, what's going to be the likely outcome? And and I know it's not going to be like a one for one. So what's the spectrum of outcomes? Like, give me a range. Because that was one of those challenges that, you know, sometimes like the marketer and I had where they were like, hey, we're going to go market in this area. We're going to focus on this target audience. And I'm like, okay, all right, what's the potential impact of that? And they're like, well, it depends. I'm like, well, I can't go in a meeting and tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have to give a round of applause for that one. Please, please continue because I have a follow up question to that one. Please continue. (laughs) And, And it's one of those things where it's like, where And I understood it was a little challenging for the marketer because, like I said, they weren't used to that. I mean, because and I get it when you're focused on building brand, you don't have a it's not like a direct sales conversion. You know, you build the brand right. and eventually over time that starts to lead into, you know, growth and business. So we started talking through things. And one of the things that, that we really started to do is really understand, all right, if we do this kind of branding campaign. You know, after doing some digging in some research, like, hey, let's look at the past when we did these branding campaigns. It took about six months for us to be able to really start seeing that conversion come in. So I'm like, I can work with that. Then I go back to the leadership team and say, hey, we're going to invest this much money in marketing and branding. It's going to take six months for the revenue to come in. But here's why I think it's still a good idea, because then I can help, you know, champion the case of the marketer. The problem was before we got to really understanding that there was no way that I could help them. And the leadership team was just like, no, we're not going to do that. And the marketer was frustrated. So I'm like, we got to kind of work through this. And really, because like I said, if you tell me, hey, it depends, I can't defend that in the boardroom. Um, well, I, I love that response so much. Um, there's, there's so much, oh God, there's so much I want to speak on <laughs> what you just said. Uh, well, the first, the first point I would make based on what you just said, it is, it is true that as marketers, we have all these acronyms and terminologies, um, that we use that's commonplace to us. And we automatically assume that, you know, everyone else in the organization is going to get it right. Which, um, that's a quick nugget for you guys that, you know, when, when speaking to non-marketers, you have to speak in very layman terms that they can understand and not in marketing terms. Um, but one of the things I also loved is how you were willing to work with the marketing team to say, hey, um, we can't just say it depends, you know, give me something to work with. So let's, let's reverse the roles for, for, for a second. Let's say it was the marketer now that needs to go to their CFO to say, hey, um, this is what we're going to invest in. And this is how you can make the business case for us in those meetings. Or even if the CFO themselves don't make the business case, let's say the marketing is a part of that meeting. How can a marketer or marketers at a, at a senior level really make that business case, not using marketing metrics, not talking about CPMs or um, building brand, but using actual financial metrics to say, hey, these are the numbers that we expect or we project. Um, and so this is why it makes sense to make that investment. How can marketers make that business case for themselves? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, and I go back to it's a concept that I, I I really enjoy listening to Seth Godin's books on marketing. And it's a concept that I've heard him talk about. It's like you really got to kind of put yourself on the hook for it to where if you're the marketer, you're in that meeting you say, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's how much money I'm asking to spend on this. Here's the outcome that we're, we're aiming for. Like, hey, we're going to do this marketing campaign. We're aiming for this outcome. We're going to bring in customers in this target audience, this category. And you may not necessarily know what the direct result is going to be. But I think the next thing is, hey, and here are the metrics we're going to monitor to see if we're making progress. We're going to look at, you know, net revenue retention or we're going to look at, you know, the number of upsells and we're going to monitor this number over the next four months. Like, I don't know what that number is going to be, but I'm giving you a, it's almost like I'm giving you a clue as to this is how you can tell whether I'm being successful or not. Now, what that does is it puts you on the hook. Now you have something to deliver. So if you don't deliver that, then the rest of the team knows this wasn't a good plan. Now, like I said, I, what I have noticed from being in rooms with, like I said, with different marketers where they say, hey, we're going to do this. It's going to drive customers. And in the back of my mind as a finance person, I'm just like, OK, all right, how will I know whether you are successful or not? And if you don't explain that, then I'm just like, mm, this seems too risky. Like this, you just yeah. gave me a broad target. I'm like, you got to put yourself on the hook to say, hey, we're going to do this. We're aiming to bring in, let's say, five customers a month in this category. All right. Now I have something to measure against. So two months in, if I look at those numbers and I say, hey, there's no progress. So we got to ask ourselves, is this marketing plan still working? Or do we need to do something different? Like you have to provide an explanation now. You can't just say, oh, well, we just need more time. It's like, no, we, we need something <laughs> to measure you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very common one. Like, hey, it takes time. You know, it takes time for marketing to really kick in. But yeah. yeah and I would say, even if you don't have, like said, a direct measure to say, hey, here, you know, here, like if, if it takes six months before you start seeing results or whatever, is you got to find something that can that you can point people's attention back to to tell whether or not this is progressing. And even some marketers, what one of the things that I've said is like they were doing a campaign, and realistically the sales cycles were very long. So it was like it's probably going to be eight months before we actually start seeing the actual inflow of this. So then what we said is here's what we're going to do to you know to to help. The CFO and the rest of the leadership team understand that you're serious about this. Like, hey, here's what you're asking for. I mean, this person was asking for, you know, half a million dollars for this campaign. Cool. Here's what you're asking for. Hey, here are the, the monthly or the biweekly meetings that I'm going to have with my team to make sure they're not spending more than they should on different areas. And I think just that marketer being able to say, hey, It'll take eight months to get a result. But why, during that eight months, I'm proving to you that I am going to be diligent with my team. I'm going to be watching it. We're not just going to be spending the money, hoping that it works out in eight months. Like I'm actually going to be measuring this and keeping an eye on this. And I think things like that, it gave the leadership team a little bit more confidence to say, hey, I trust that they're going to be effective with this, or at least they're going to be really diligent about monitoring this so that this can be as effective as possible, as opposed to someone who says, 
give me the money to do this campaign. I'll do it. Eight months later, I'll tell you what happened. Two, two things I love from this, Terrell. Um, the first point I'll make, and it's, it's a brutally honest truth, but it, it needs to be said. The reason why you often have marketers giving up very broad spectrum is because most marketers don't like to be held accountable to results. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I'm a marketer. I've been so for, for like over 14 years, and I know this to be true, that we, we don't like to be held accountable to a specific outcome or metric, because then if, as you said, if we fail at it, then it makes us look bad, and you know, we don't want to look bad. But the other thing is that you mentioned is a lot of the metrics are revenue focused, which is good. Because often marketers will say, well, we're going to measure based on engagement or reach or, you know, brand awareness, if they can even measure that. And those aren't the metrics that CEOs or our CFO really cares about as to whether or not this can actually generate a return for, for the company. So probably you, you gave us two, which is, um, I think, net, net revenue retention and um, upsell. Is there, are there any other metrics that you can point to that marketers can use to kind of judge that progress over that time period until they get to that revenue result thereafter? Yeah, one of the things that, I, you know, I help the marketer, you know, realize that, hey, there weren't, there weren't that many direct, um, hey, you take this action, at least to this. There weren't that many that we can pull on. So one of the things that I knew from a finance standpoint is like one of the challenges that a lot of businesses face is whether they're big or small is we want the type of clients that actually pay their bill in a timely fashion. Because it's one thing to send an invoice to a client and they take you know two months, three months to actually pay it. So one of the things that we did is they were like, hey, this is going to increase engagement. Where I told them is, all right, we have some clients that pay very timely. And what we realize is the clients that are the most familiar with our brand, those were the people that were paying more timely. So will this increase engagement with that specific group of people? And when we were able to show that, then on my end from the finance, I can see, hey, the more we work this engagement strategy, these people are starting to pay more timely. So it wasn't, you know, it, it was a little bit of an indirect way to tie the dots together. Right. But I think it was taking a step back to say, okay, all right, if this is an engagement or brand awareness, it's, hey, if it's engagement, who are we engaging with? Is it engaging with people that we want to actually pay their invoices? And one of the things we saw is when we started doing certain engagement campaigns, the people who were engaging, their rate of paying their invoices started to improve where I'm just like, that's a result. We can connect those two dots together. So I can defend your branding and your, your engagement campaign in the boardroom because I have something to tie it to. Right. I love that. I love that because I, I haven't even, I, I didn't even think about that, but you're, you're very correct because that's a major challenge that most business owners, owners struggle with um, in terms of that, that on-time payment. Uh, well, that, that, was, that was great. So the, the follow-up question to that would be, I mean, you don't have to give me specifics, but how or, or, or what were those engagement campaigns like? like? How did they look like? Because I want to give the audience sort of an idea of how they can probably take what you just said and you know, replicate it within their organization uh, because that's, that's a very good way to defend brand. 
um, because it's not engagement. Typically, as marketers, how we see engagement is people who engage on a social media post or engage with, a, with an article or a video. But now you're telling me that, hey, in terms of that, that um, you know, accounts, receivables, brand can actually affect that as well. So probably you can share with us exactly how they can go about doing that in terms of how the campaign itself would look like. Yeah, so some of the things that were done was, you know, we, we did this idea where we were going to um, have like a, a regular newsletter that goes out. And so they picked some clients that they wanted to feature in that newsletter. Um, and then when they like first they showed the list, I was like, hey, we're going to be doing this. And so I, I went to them and said, hey, can I weigh in on this list? And I looked at the list and I'm like, OK, all right. I'm having an issue getting this person to pay their invoice, this person, this person. Can you move them to the top of the list? Like, let them be the first people that we <laughs> highlight. <laughs> because once we start highlighting them, now they feel bad for not paying us. <laughs> right, like, right, right, so, right. So we, we did that to where they started getting engaged. And one of the things that we saw is, you know, after we start highlighting them, because, I mean, the truth of the matter is, you pay who you like when it comes down to accounts receivable. True, that's I mean, true. <laughs> what then began to happen with some of those clients that we highlighted is the amount of upsells went up. They started paying their invoices more timely because now, you know, if we're highlighting their senior leader in the newsletter that we're doing, their senior leaders bragging to everybody else and stuff. And so then when we send an email to the billing department, the billing department knows that, hey, we are on the top of the mind of the CEO. So you want to pay our invoice. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good strategy. <laughs> so good. I think, like I said, just working with the marketing team was just realizing like, hey, there are some indirect factors. Um, there are some indirect factors. And then even like I said, when I, when I saw that list, like I said, I went to, you know, at the time, like our client success team or the sales team and said, hey, who are you trying to target to do upsells to? Like, we need to talk to the marketing department and tell them, put them to the front of the list. Or even when they would do like industry town hall meetings and stuff like that to where, you know, they, where the marketing team is like, hey, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to host this town hall meeting, bring in experts in the industry. And then we're going to have some, you know, some brands that sponsor the event at a discount. And so what I did is I went and talked to the sales team. Who are you trying to close a deal with? Like who, like, you know, look at your pipeline. What deals are high value, but are moving slow. And then I went back to the marketing team. Like it makes sense for us. Let's just give them a free, you know, sponsorship spot in the, you know, on the town hall. And that way it'll help the sales team in their negotiations of trying to push this along because I'm like, the reason why the sales process is taking so long is because we're not top of mind for the decision makers. How do we use our marketing efforts to become top of mind for the decision makers? And that helped us to be able to speed along some of the deals that were stuck in the sales pipeline, which meant, hey, we can close those deals. We can start seeing revenue. We can start building them. But it was just one of those things of, like I said, connecting the dots between like I said, doing that town hall, offering some of those sponsorship spots at a discount or for free to customers that we wanted to close deals with. All right. That's, that's a great point. And I'm happy that you're the one that said it. And here's what I mean by that. 
Um, I've often said that the quickest way marketing can prove their value is to make sales easier for, for the sales team. Like there's no quicker way where you can say, hey, in, 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 in the example you just gave, this is a high priority deal or high value deal, but it's moving slowly, right? And as a result of us executing this particular marketing campaign or strategy, you know, it, it helped to speed up um, the, the time to close of that particular deal. So now we have something we can point to. I mean, yes, you could probably do it as a one-off thing with one account, but what if you have 10 accounts where you could actually show that data? then all of a sudden marketing starts to, you know, in terms of that value, that perceived value by, um, you know, the CEO and at the C-suite level, it gets a lot easier to really show and prove your, your value. Um, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even in that, that, that area, that space of, like I said, whether it's sponsorship or branding, like I said, I, I, what I have seen is, you know, when we start doing branding of different things like, um, you know, different products where we say, okay, all right, we're trying to, like you said, close a high value deal in this area. Um, and there are some people who may not be the decision maker, but they are key influencers to the decision maker. So right. then it's just talking with the marketing team. Is there anything we can do to get our brand in front of those people who are influencing the decision maker, which then allows when we step in and have the conversation with the decision maker, all those other people around them are familiar with our brand. So it helps us get to a yes faster. You heard it here, folks. I, I don't think I have anything else to say after that. Um, so let's, let's talk about now in terms of how, how do CFOs typically determine which projects um, they want to in, invest in? Not necessarily from a marketing standpoint, but... Just in general, you know, just to have some sort of context that marketing or some sort of reference point marketing marketers can use, um, you know, yeah. when, when thinking about uh, putting together those campaigns. Yeah, so definitely, I mean, the most obvious one is, okay, which campaign is going to make us more money? Um, right. Which ones are going to drive, you know, incremental revenue? Now, what I will say is that marketers and the sales team typically have the upper hand because... That's the nature of what they do is the things that they do lead to growth. And so if you can, you know, connect the dots there, I think the second one is that a lot of CFOs are really having to manage more are going to be on, you know, cash flow because just because you can recognize the revenue and you can send them an invoice doesn't mean that they actually paid it. So <laughs> if you can, if there are different things that you can do, to improve cash flow, whether it's like, you know, if it's a business that offers multiple products and let's say, hey, customers who buy this product, hey, they tend to pay a little bit faster versus customers who buy this product. So if your campaign is going to target the product that it takes longer for people to pay, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, right, if we invest this money today, the customer is going to take, you know, X amount of time to buy like it's going to take me longer to make our money back. So right. I'm thinking from a cash flow standpoint of like, if I give you this money today, how long is it going to take me to get this plus whatever else comes in from the customer? So thinking about the cash flow perspective. Um, and I think also um, CFOs are looking at kind of from a, a, an expense standpoint of like, 
if we do this campaign, does this eliminate some of the other things that we're doing? Is there right. trade off? Like, is this a more effective way to get to our, you know, get to get to where we want to go? Like for one, you know, one, I guess you a more specific example. Like if I know that, hey, it takes my sales team, you know, four months to close a deal on, you know, this type of client. Well, that's I'm thinking in terms of, you know, dollars like it's that's four months of travel, four months of that salesperson's time and then that sales manager's time. Well, if your marketing campaign will help us shorten the sales cycle, then I'm thinking like, hey, you just help save us. Like, let's say you go from four months to three months. You just help save us one month's worth of cost. Like CFOs can think in in terms of that, like, hey, you're going to make the growth process more efficient. So I can attach a dollar to figure to that. Right. And and my follow-up question to that would be, um, you know, one of the things that marketers often complain about is not, well, for some, it's not getting any budget whatsoever to execute the type of marketing campaigns they want to. And secondly, is how to actually get more budget. So in from, from your point of view, what are, let's say, two or three reasons why CFOs um, don't typically give more marketers budget to execute the type of campaigns they want to? Yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious one is CFOs are not marketers, so they have no idea how to measure, you know, the effectiveness of a of a marketing campaign the way that a marketer does. The only right. way that they know how, I mean, for your average CFO, the way that they measure is this marketing campaign effective is did our revenue grow up? I mean, that's the only because that's the only thing that they know. Um, so I think the first one is they don't know how to measure what success looks like. And one of the things that, you know, a lot of times marketers, you know, that I've talked to, they get upset and they're like, well, well, you know, well, you know, but that puts me in a bad spot. I'm like, well, it's not that, you know, it's not like that they're not open to, you know, knowing how to measure it. It's just if you as a marketer know how to measure it, then just help educate them on how to actually measure the success of it. And that was one of the things that I work with marketers on. I'm like, okay, all right, how would you define success of this? And they explained it to me. And I'm like, well, then just go tell that person. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, it's like, it's not like they, they're against measuring the success of your marketing plan. Right. It's just like, they're ignorant to it because they're not a marketer. So if you right, help right. educate them on that, then they may be more willing to say, okay, all right, I see what, I see how we can measure this better. Um, and I think the number two one is something you mentioned before is, and I think this is common across the board is that, you know, marketers don't like to be held accountable to, Hey, this, a metric or a measure. But one of the things that they don't understand is if you're talking to a CFO, the nature of their job is to right. be accountable <laughs> for the numbers. Like, so it's like, if you're a person who doesn't like to be accountable and you're asking a person whose entire job is to be accountable for the numbers that they deliver and you're asking them, it's like, mm, you're going to have to play ball their way. You're going to have to right. give them something that you can be held accountable to, which then gives them a little bit more confidence, you know, because they're not going to sign off on something because they're like, well, if this doesn't work, they're not going to come back to the marketing department and say, hey, why did you why did you spend this money here? 
They're going to come back to me, the CFO, and say, why did you say okay for them to spend this money here? Right. Um, right. Like, what did we get from this? And so I do think that as marketers, you have to be able to, like I said, put yourself on the hook and be accountable. And like I said, again, you can set the measure of accountability. It's just you're going to have to be proactive to say, hey, here's what I want to spend. And here's how you can measure me to see if this is going well, yes or no. Because if you think about it from that perspective, that gives the CFO something to go then defend when they get questions in the boardroom or they get questions from other leadership team members. They can connect the dots a little bit more. Yeah, um, very good point. I'm, I'm not sure if you, can, if you can do this. I mean, definitely, I, I don't see why you, you can't uh, because you've been giving us some amazing value thus far. But in terms of those, you know, being held accountable, those metrics, um, because what, what I'm trying to get marketers to understand is how to have that, that communication with a CFO based on the language that a CFO speaks. So what, what specific metric, whether, you know, you mentioned cash flow. So whether it's on a cash flow statement, you kind of gave us like a high macro level. But in terms of that cash flow statement or, you know, whether it's an income statement or even a balance sheet, are there certain specific metrics marketing can use within their dialogue to, to kind of make that business case to say, hey, CFOs, this is why it's worth it to make more of an investment into marketing? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things to look at is, you know, and this may, depending on the type of CFO you're talking to, this may be require a little bit of education on both parts. But I mean, I think talking about CAC, first, you're going to have to explain to them what CAC is. Um, <laughs> but I mean, when you explain it like, hey, here's the cost of us acquiring a customer. And I think where well, you can show that over time to say, hey, here's how much we're spending on marketing to bring in this customer, this customer. And then the most obvious thing is to say, hey, here's how much revenue that customer is generating. When you right. can compare those two numbers and, you know, because what the finance person then starts to equate is, well, what was my return on investment? You spent right. X amount of money to acquire this. So the, the, the finance person is probably going to think to themselves, what's the ROI on that investment? Right. Now to the marketer, they may not be thinking in terms of ROI, but I think as a marketer, if you give them the pieces like, hey, here's what the, the cost of acquisition is. Here's the revenue that that client is generating. Then you can start to have a more clear conversation and say, hey, I see why we need to invest more. And even if you come back and you say, hey, here's what our cost of acquisition is on product number A, on product A. Here's what our cost of acquisition is on product B. Here's what it is on product C. We want to put more money in the product C because that brings in more profitable clients. To right. a CFO, that is a no-brainer. They're going to be like, <laughs> yes, that makes sense. <laughs> but I think when you can connect the dots, because one of the challenges that I've seen with a lot of marketers is, you know, they look at their marketing budget in totality saying, here's what we're doing in marketing. But it's like, you know, the way you operate, you really don't operate in totality. You operate in, you know, in segments and campaigns. And I think when you can really start to break it down and say, hey, here's a campaign we did for product A. 
here's a campaign we did for product B and C and so forth. And hey, here, here's the different product we want to actually put more money into. And I think when you can start to show the CFO, hey, we're putting this extra money we're asking for, we're putting it on the product that is actually the most profitable one, the one that's yielding more results. Because sometimes for the CFO, if you just say, hey, we want to increase our marketing spend, they're like, I don't know if you're using it wisely. Right. <laughs> and right. so I think being able to show that comparison and being able to say, hey, you know what? What's your cost of acquisition versus the revenue that is generating? And I think when you're able to connect those dots, or even if you just look at it and say, hey, how much money are you spending on marketing this product? How many new customers have we generated in the last six months or the last 12 months? I mean, when you're able to connect those dots for the finance person, I think it starts to make a lot more sense to them. Right, right. Very great point. And just to add to that, I would also say the same thing can be done based on customer segments. Um, you know, probably have one customer segment that's more profitable than another or even a particular region or territory as well. Uh, because, you know, it can be in some cases that they only sell one product, but, you know, it sells to different customer segments and different territories. So definitely a great point, Terrell. Yeah. Yeah, and I think too that what I will say is, you know, leverage your, your finance department. Like if there, there is a finance department there, just and you know, just as you're talking to the CFO, it's like, hey, we're gonna invest in this marketing campaign in this segment. And what I really want the finance help with is can we get a measure of the gross margin for that segment? Like, how is it how what does the gross margin look like? Now, as a marketer, you don't have to calculate it. You just tell the CFO, hey, we want to measure the impact to gross margin. That's going to be music to the CFO's ear. <laughs> the CFO then will go get their team to do the work and calculate right. it. <laughs> and the fact that you as a marketer are thinking about it, it makes the CFO realize like, hey, this person is serious about this. Like, this is yeah. something I can measure. Um, and I think when you, you, know, you speak in terms of talking to the CFO, if you're talking about, hey, cost of acquisition versus revenue generated, you're talking ROI. I mean, you're talking about, you know, cash flow, meaning like, hey, we're going to target the segment of the population of our customer population to increase, you know, or improve cash flow. And then also, hey, we're going to drive focusing on marketing the products that we have the highest gross margin on. Like those three things, you know, really will help a CFO become more of a fan of what you do yeah and and i'm happy that you brought that that piece up uh because it 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 sparks a question that i didn't even think of asking which is how can as a marketer how can they foster those relationships with not necessarily the cfo because maybe the company doesn't have a cfo but you know probably it's the director of finance or the financial controller whoever it is that's um, the leader within the finances um, of the company. How, how can they make that initial approach to say, hey, we want to partner, the marketing team wants to partner with the finance team to see how we can work together to help us make the business case or to make your job easier to make that business case um, for us to get more budget or to execute certain campaigns? Yeah, I think the most, uh, like I said, the, the one that I've seen to be the most effective is just starting with a, you know, humility and a question of like, hey, 
talking to someone in the finance department, hey, we're doing all these marketing campaigns and all the different segments. We want to understand what's the profit impact on each of these campaigns. What I think that does is that simple question tells the finance or the controller or the accounting department, like, hey, they actually care about what you do all day. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and they actually need your help. And so I think, you know, a question like that starts to let, you know, it starts to lower the tension. I mean, and I mean, especially if you tell them like, hey, we want to make sure that we are investing in the segments that are the more profitable ones, then it gives your finance team. It's almost like, you know, I, I, I put it, you know, I would compare it to, let's say, you know, if you're having a, you know, you're having a play and every department in your, in your, you know, in your company or in a company plays a role in the play. Typically, you know, you have your, 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 your CEO, you have the sales, you have the marketing team. They're usually playing the lead role. The accountant, usually some extra in the background. Right. <laughs> so when you ask an, a finance person or an accountant a question like that, for them, they're going to feel like, oh, man, here's my 15 seconds in the spotlight. Like, I'm really going to step up and start helping this marketer because, hey, this marketer is using their spotlight to shine a light on what I do in the background that nobody usually asks me any questions about. So I think starting off as a marketer of asking those questions like, hey, we want to understand the financial impact of some of the decisions that we're making. Can we get your help to figure that out? And a lot of times what you're going to find is, you know, it's almost like that accountant or that finance person has been like sitting in the back like, man, I've been waiting for somebody to notice me in the value. <laughs> <I can serve." laughs> Right. Uh, that's 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 awesome. That's amazing. Um, the the final question I'll have for you is, and it's actually a two part question. Um, tell me if you can give like specific example because let's let's put everything into context now. Um, where you had the marketing team that approach, whether it's you as the finance person or a CFO. Um, for budget to execute a particular project or a campaign that they were rejected and why they were rejected. And then on the other end, another scenario or example where they approach the finance person um, to execute a project or to get budget for a particular project and it was approved and why it was approved. So I'll give an example. Um, There was a a marketing team that wanted to host a conference and this was pre-COVID. And they wanted to host a conference and, you know, they said, hey, this is the budget we'll need. Here's the time we'll need to host a conference. They came in, they, they got denied. Um, like, no, we're not spending money on that. And, you know, I heard about it. We started working together and I was like, okay, all right, why is it that you want to host this conference? Well, to help with the branding. And I'm like, well, what are some of the other problems we're having throughout the organization? And that was one of those areas where we looked at it and we said, hey, the sales team, they're, set, they're missing their forecast because the sales cycle is just so long. Right. Um, and the salespeople, they're overspending on their travel because they're going out trying to see all these clients. And also, there are some clients that we had where, hey, we, the, you know, the, the, I guess you say the, the engineering team was having issues with having to do some technology upgrades for the client and they weren't getting the right feedback from the clients. So I'm like, hey, 
how about if we rethink this, you know, this, this, um, this, this conference that you wanted to host? What if we focused on actually putting, doing a panel discussion where some of our top customers that the sales team is trying to close a deal on, have them on the panel, let them be the speakers on the panel. You can ask them the questions, which means you get all the decision makers in one room and yeah. you bring them to our city, which means our sales team doesn't have to travel all over the country to go see them. Our sales team now have a direct audience with the decision makers. Plus, hey, again, you know, let's bring in some of the people that the engineering team is having some issues with. Let's do some, you know, some breakout sessions on talking about the technical side of this. And let's bring in some of the technical experts from some of these companies and let them talk about the technical challenges. Let our engineering team sit in the room and hear the real technical challenges that they're having. The engineering team is going to get the input that they need. And so then we went back and said, okay, the way we tell this financial story is, hey, our engineering (laughs) team, we're losing clients because our engineering team isn't able to deliver what the client needs. They can't deliver because they don't have the market research. This conference, this session is going to help solve that problem. So we're going to see, you know, our churn rates go down. And then also our sales team, they're spending thousands of dollars per salesperson every month traveling around the country, chasing these decision makers. This conference will allow us to bring the decision makers here, which means the sales team, the sales manager, the CEO, everyone will have direct access to the decision maker. We should see the sales cycle shrink. We should see less spending on individual travel. And we should be able to see more contracts get signed, more revenue, plus our churn rate will go down. And then when we went back in and we explained the conference in that context, then it was like, hey, this actually is a good idea. And it's just like, like, hey, because all the people who have a vested interest, they now can see there's a benefit in this for me. And it's not yeah. just a marketing strategy. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point and an excellent um, note to end on. Um, and, and one of the things I love about that is the whole idea of, you know, trying to put it in the context of what's valuable to the other person in terms of the people who can approve that budget. So how is it benefiting the company growth on a whole? How is it helping the sales team, the engineering team? So, I mean, that was, I think I'm definitely going to steal that one. That was a great idea. <laughs> that was a great one. I have to admit, um, I have to admit, that was a great one. So, uh, Tyrell, any, any closing thoughts, you know, anything that you can leave us with? I mean, if, if I could, I mean, I would have gone for another hour because it's just so much value. I mean, I thank you so much for taking time to to speak with us but anything else you can leave us with yeah i mean i think at the end of the day i mean one of the things that i i learned um from my background of just like i said learning the different areas of the business is is you know even as i do the the marketing and work you know marketing in my own business it's really thinking about like how do i think like a business owner and and not just thinking the silo of Hey, what this marketing activity is really thinking about how does this impact the other parts of the business? And when I can start to make, you know, whether it's marketing decisions or whether it's finance decisions or sales decisions or even operation decisions, when I can make decisions in light of what I understand about how the business works and how all the pieces are connected, 
that's when I can make the most effective decisions. And even as I'm working with my clients, so, you know, like I said, they hire me for finance, but sometimes I'm asking them questions about marketing. And as I can connect the dots between the different areas, then what I realize is the 95% of the time when I bring up an idea, they're going to say yes, because the dots are already connected for them. Right. And as a marketer, if you can figure out how to connect the dots between what you want, what other departments and other leaders value, that's when you'll see the rate of yeses go dramatically up because you're helping connect the dots. Mm. That's the amazing dessert to end an amazing five-course meal. That was Terrell. Uh. So, so, so good to have you. Thank you so much. Um, if people need to, to reach you, where, where can they find you? Yeah, so I, will say, I always tell people, go to the businesstalklibrary.com. And that's the media company where you know, we put out a ton of you know, free content on there where like I say, I'm talking about you know, business from a finance standpoint, um, but explaining, like I said, we, we, we've done some videos of finance for marketers where we kind of break down, hey, here's what a marketer needs to understand about finance. And, and, it, you know, and it's from some of our own experiences of working with marketers. Here were the things that I had to help them understand. And when they understood it, they could then speak the finance language and still get their marketing strategies achieved. So the Business Talk Library is a place where they can get a ton of free stuff. Like I think in the last 18 months, we've released like over 480 videos on different topics, different interviews. Awesome. So, and they can also get in touch with us and contact us if they want as well. Awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, <laughs> Terrell, thanks again for coming on, um, for sharing with us. Definitely a great episode. Uh, I mean, there's nothing else left to say, really. I mean, just, just thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that, this has been another episode of the Revenue Alignment Podcast, guys. Take care, and that is a wrap. This has been the Revenue Alignment Podcast. Join us next week where we have more amazing content to help you demonstrate, communicate, and prove your value at the C-suite level. I'm Winston, your host, and this is a wrap.